Blessed assurance and welcome to Kingdom Christian Fellowship, KCF. We reveal the reality of the Kingdom of God and Christ Jesus in the lives of people all over the world. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and inspired to improve your relevance in the Kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Blessed assurance, mighty people of God. We are grateful to God for such a time as this. By the special grace of God, we are in your home and we are bringing you the Kingdom Mindset Service or the Renew Your Mind Service. We are streaming um, from the Zan Impact Glory Mount um, branch at Teshi. And by the special grace of God, we bring you, pre- uh, we bring you greetings. We bring you love. We bring you um, so much love from our apostle and our father, Apostle Kingsley J. God Singh. God bless you for joining in. Before we get started, I would encourage you to just notify someone, send someone a message right now, um, share the link, type in the comment box, and you know tag someone so that um, um, your brother, your sister will be connected to us. We just have a few minutes to spend today so we just encourage you just send out a message and let someone know that we are online and we want to spend a few minutes in the word of god um, whilst we are doing this i want you to just lift up your voice wherever you are in your home in your office in your car in your kitchen um, watching on your phone on your tv on your laptop wherever it, wherever you are just close your eyes and just begin to speak to god right now ask that the spirit of god will visit you ask that the spirit of illumination and enlightenment will locate you in the name of jesus lift up your voice with me and pray that god will visit you as we delve into the word of god the bible says that the entrance of your word it brings light it brings understanding to the simple may the light of god move from his word and enlighten your path in the name of jesus every situation of confusion we are praying that today it will be it will be uprooted every situation of darkness today we are praying that by the revelation of god's word as the word of god comes to us this evening this thursday evening we pray that every form of darkness will be uprooted all forms of darkness in the form of doubt all forms of darkness in the form of confusion 
in the form of ignorance. Lift up your voice and pray with me. Wherever you are, wherever you are, open your mouth and begin to pray right now in the name of Jesus. As you are praying, I want you just to connect to someone and tell them that we are online. And we are about to spend a few minutes in the word of God in the name of Jesus. Rabra papalwa sise jebaleba siatata talaba kiandalia babarwa si brababa repepele bosuze brendo lebo shebaba rapapa lolo sibalababa rapapa lolo sibalababa rapapa lala sibalababa resozenwa tabalaba shababa repepelwa sizendele ezendele ezendele lebenone inarwa ti brapapa lwa shi brapapa rakozwa tibanda la Thank you, Father. We are grateful, Lord, for such a time as this. Lord, we bring our hearts to you. We bring our minds to you. We ask in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that the entrance of your word will bring us illumination, will bring us light, will bring us understanding in the name of Jesus. We expel, O Lord, every form of distraction, every form of confusion, and we declare, O Lord, let the Spirit of God take charge over whatever atmosphere that your people are connected to right now in the name of Jesus. We pray, O Lord, that your Spirit will help us, will teach us that today we will have clarity, we will have understanding, and Father, most importantly, we will receive from you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for hearing us, and thank you for answering us, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you once again. God bless you once again. We are very, very, very excited that you are with us this evening. As we delve into the word of God, we pray that um, God will visit you. Whatever you are doing, I would encourage you to pause. Those who have food on the stove, those who are ironed, um, just give us a few minutes and then we'll be out of here very soon in the name of Jesus. Amen. By the special grace of God, today is the first day of December. And the days for 2020, they are basically almost over. The spirit of Christmas is still, you know, trying to bubble up. Isn't quite there yet. And, well, God will show us mercy. We pray that this Christmas will not only have silent nights. Amen. So, um, as the year is coming to an end, by the special grace of God, um, our father, Apostle Kisler J. Godson, has... Um, I posted today the, the, the theme for the month of December. And the theme for the month is um, gratitude, victory, and walking in the love of God. Gratitude, victory, and walking in the love of God. Hallelujah. Now, I would want to start from this particular theme so that we delve into the word of God. By the special grace of God, the last time we were online with the Kingdom Mindset Service, Reverend Linda was able to minister to us powerfully with um, thankfulness, I believe, and then the um, lifestyle of gratitude and thankfulness. Hallelujah. So um, since we are still in that season of thankfulness and gratitude, I just want to spend a few minutes 
end that area so that we see what the Lord will do. Now, the core scripture that I want us to look at today is actually in the book of First Kings. First Kings. So I want us to open up our Bibles. Let's go to the book of First Kings, the chapter number 19. Now, what I want to do is to read in the New King James Version from the verse number 13. From the verse number 13 all the way to the verse number 18. Actually, I would want to start from the verse number 11. Now, the story of this particular scripture is the encounter God had with the prophet Elijah. Now, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah had come back onto the scene and he had challenged the prophets and the servants of Baal to a contest. And by the intervention of God, there was now rain. However, the king at the time, King Ahab, went back home and then narrated how his day had been to his wife um, and, and, and the, queen, um, the queen Jezebel. Hallelujah. And then by the decree of Queen Jezebel, powered by the darkness that bad her, she commanded and released a particular statement determining to take off the head of Elijah just as he had done to the people um, 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 that served and worshipped Baal. Now, the Bible says that at the, upon hearing that particular decree, the one man of God who was able to stand and challenge hundreds of prophets, after hearing a decree from the queen, the Bible says that she ran away, the, 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 the prophet ran away, seeking to preserve his life. Hallelujah. So the Bible then continues in the verse number 11. Now, Elijah had been commanded by God after he made several complaints. And God asked him to go to a particular mountain so that he will speak to him. So let's read from the verse number 11. First Kings chapter 19 from the verse number 11. It says, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because of the children of because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now, if the Bible is yours, underline that particular phrase. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return in, the, in your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazazel as king of Syria. Also, anoint Jehu, the son of Nishim, as Nimshim, as king of Israel, and Elisha, the son of Zaphat, of Abel Meloha, 
you shall anoint as prophets in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazaziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to bow, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Hallelujah. I think, I think we would end here. Yeah, the verse number 18. So we would end here. And the next verse says, Elijah found Elisha, and then the story continues. Now, in this particular scripture, Elijah was in the presence of God. And the Bible makes us understand that at that point in time, he was making a lot of complaints to God. He was at the point in time where he felt alone. He was at the point in time where he felt depressed. He was at the point in time where he felt abandoned. And the Bible makes us understand that he was making complaints to God because he felt that he was the only one that was left, that was doing the work of God. And it seemed as if God didn't see him. It seemed as if God could not locate him. It seemed as if God was distant and far away from him. He even went as far as making complaints that were of a suicidal nature. Hallelujah. And this was a man of God who had previously challenged the prophets of Baal. Now, we get to see that in the ministry of Elijah, before we move into gratitude, victory, and walking in the love of God, in the ministry of Elijah and a few other prominent men of God in the Bible, you realize that they acted or by the virtue of the anointing upon them and the circumstances in which they lived, you realize that they acted as solo or lone rangers in the execution of the assignments of God given to them. Now, you realize that in the case of Elijah and a few others, because of the lone ranger mode in which they functioned, it was very easy for the enemy to easily pinpoint them. It was very easy for the enemy to easily target them. And then the enemy could have a concentrated effort on destroying their lives, persecuting them, and then bringing their ministry to an end. And that, that's what happened in the case of Elijah. Jezebel was able to easily pinpoint Elijah as the sole person to take out. Now, why am I bringing this one here? You realize that in some of the other ministries of several men of God, and even the ministry of Jesus, if you compare to the um, ministry of John the Baptist, that came in the power and the anointing of Elijah. You realize that there was some key difference. Jesus refused to work alone. In fact, he refused to work alone and constantly needed to be in partnership, that he refused to start his ministry until he had become one or he had entered into partnership with the Spirit of God so that he would not execute the assignment of God as a lone ranger. I know that, yes, um, John the Baptist had a few um, disciples. But then the Bible also accounts that when they saw Jesus, a few, most of them, if not all, left John the Baptist and then they, were able, they went following Jesus. Jesus didn't start his assignment until he was in partnership with the Spirit of God. Jesus didn't start his assignment until he had selected the twelve. Jesus didn't start his assignment until he had gathered some kind of following so that the burden of ministry didn't just rest upon him. And unfortunately for Elijah and John the Baptist that came in the, in the, in the anointing and the calling of Elijah, they acted alone and it was easy for Jezebel at the time 
to locate Elijah and take him out. It was also easy for the wife of Herod to locate John the Baptist and then take him out. But then when it came to the case of Jesus, Jesus didn't act alone. So it was even difficult for the people who needed to kill Jesus to identify him because he was in a crowd most of the time. He, Of course, there were times that he was in solitude, but then he was as the people that followed him. The burden of ministry was on the shoulders of a number of people. And today, that is where I'm coming from. In the story of Elijah, as we see in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, in this short scripture, one thing that I want to, actually two things that I want to emphasize is the attitude of gratitude, or just as Reverend put it, the lifestyle of thankfulness and gratitude. But then we want to look at two things. One, gratitude as a way or as a means of improving the relationships that we have in a community. And then two, gratitude as a tool or as a key ingredient in multiplication. Let me take it again. Gratitude or the lifestyle of gratitude having two key roles in the story of Elijah. One, the ability to improve our relationship in the communities we find ourselves in. That's one. And the second one is gratitude or the lifestyle of thanksgiving, the lifestyle of appreciating people and the things around us as a tool for multiplication. Now, just as I started, the mindset of every predator when it's hunting for any kind of prey is that when you are able to isolate a prey alone, it becomes easy for you to capture your meal. Now, in the last couple of years, we've looked at kingdom communities um, and we've looked at the power of one, the power of um, the difference between being one and being alone. We've looked at the kind of communities, the, 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 the sheepfold of God as a type of community. And we've looked at this in a number, I mean, in, in a number of times. So um, I don't want to uh, really repeat them. But one thing that I want to highlight is that in the wild, there are two kinds of animals, as you already know, predators and prey. Most of the time, the kind of prey that dwell in communities, heads, families, that's um, like a flock kind of grouping, it's very difficult for them to be overpowered by even the most powerful or dangerous animals in the world, like the lions and the cheetahs and all of that. Because by reason of them being together, they are able to fight as a unit to secure the life and the, and, 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 and the integrity of their community and especially the weak among them. Now, in this season of thanksgiving, in this season of gratitude, in this season of appreciation, well, by the special grace of God, last week we had our pastor's appreciation um, um, service and we want to say thank you again for all your appreciation, love, honor, um, 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 gratitude, gift to us, prayers for the men of God of KCF and Zion Impact Ministry. We are really, really grateful. Now, one thing that I want to pull off from there is that by giving gratitude, by showing appreciation, you realize that there's some kind of bond that is established. And I don't need to repeat this because Reverend Linda took her time to go into this the last time. But this is where I'm coming to. Now, we see that 
in the situation of Elijah, Elijah felt alone. Elijah felt secluded. Elijah felt as if he was the only one there. Yet, in the framework of God, there were 7,000, not 700, not 70, but 7,000 people that had been secured, positioned, covered, secured by God that they would, in a way, walk with Elijah. However, by Elijah complaining, he was in the midst of plenty, yet he could not see anything. He was in the midst of plenty, yet by reason of not, of, of not realizing what God was doing, he was at a place of depression. He was at a place of frustration. He was at a place where he was isolated from the community, the kingdom community that God had in place. God had specially put in place a kingdom community of 7,000 prophets, with Elijah being 7,001. Yet, the man of God could not see it. The man of God felt so alone that after his conquest with the prophet of Baal, he ran away from the decree of one queen, one woman, because he could not see. He could not appreciate. He could not understand. His eyes were just shut because he could not see what was going on. And I'm saying that the key of thankfulness, the key of gratitude, the key of being able to appreciate the people around you, the things that God does for us. I'm saying that the first thing it does in, my, in, my, in, my, in, what, in what we are discussing today is that one, Gratitude and thankfulness, it's a vital ingredient in building up the relationship that we have in our communities. Now, what do I mean by this particular point? What do I mean by this particular point? Now, I want us to look at a few scriptures. The first scripture I want us to look at is in the book of Matthew chapter 20. Let's look at this particular scripture and then we'll jump back to the story of Elijah. Matthew chapter 20. Now, this is the parable that Jesus gave concerning the kingdom. So, he starts out by saying that for the kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 20 verse 1, is like a landowner who went out in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, he had agreed with the laborers a denarius a day. He sent them into his vineyard. The Bible continues that he went out at several points in the day to hire more laborers. And the Bible says that even in the verse number 6, at the 11th hour, he found some laborers standing idle. And the Bible makes us understand that he hired them and put them into his land for them to work for him. Then it came to the time that he had to pay them. Now, in the verse number 8, in the verse number 8, the Bible says that he called his laborers and he began from the last to the first. And he gave them the agreed upon wage that he had agreed with the first group, which was a denarius a day. The Bible says that the people at the first or the people who are coming early or earlier and had negotiated the denarius, the denarius a day, they became agitated because they felt that if people who had worked for just one hour at the 11th hour were receiving just a denarius, then they should have been receiving more. But look at what the Bible says in the verse number 13. Look at what the Bible says in the verse number 13. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, am I doing 
I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as you. Look at the verse number 15. It says, Is it not lawful for me to do that which I wish with my own things? And look at the critical verse. Or is your eye evil because I am good? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Now, look at this story. Now, when you think about this story critically, critically, you realize that it's actually a good policy in many organizations and workplaces to have a policy that says that salaries and benefits are confidential and are held with the utmost secrecy. Because just as the Bible clearly takes, when people begin to know what their neighbors, what their fellow colleagues are earning, it brings a lot of contention, as we clearly see in the book of Matthew chapter 20. So for most organizations, benefits, allowance, stipends, salary, they are held with utmost secrecy. And it makes sense because it brings about the issue of comparison. But let's move on to the principle that Jesus was trying to draw out here in the kingdom. Now, one of the things that he said in the last verse, on the last phrase of the verse number 15, he said, do I not have the right to do what I want to do with my money? For the people that came in at the first hour, they had already had an agreement that they were going to get a denarius a day. If they did not get to know what the last people got, assuming that the man or the owner of the field started giving out the money or started paying out his laborers from the first person and after I gave the first person his money, he went away, there would have been no issue. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or oh, are you with me? That's what I'm saying. There would, have, there would probably have been no issue. Maybe there would be an issue later on when they begin discussing their salary outside of the deal, but whatever. But then the Bible says that they agreed. So the first people who were hired, they realized that a denarius a day was a worthy and a fair compensation for the work they were going to do. So the issue that Jesus was bringing out here was not the fact that they were not being paid in a fair manner. was not that they were not being paid the right amount because they had agreed with that um, landowner for a denarius a day. The problem was that they could not appreciate what they had received. The second thing that compounded it was that they could not see that their fellow laborers who were also struggling and didn't have money at that point in time. The Bible says that they were idle. It means that they had no one to give them work. And if no one gave them work, it means that no one gave them money. They could not appreciate the fact that this landowner was doing a kind gesture, a kind gesture to their neighbor. Because assuming they had not been hired, you would have been paid your denarius a day, all right. And as you're on your way home, you would be a neighbor to someone who had not been hired. And they will come to you and knock on your door and say, can you please give me something to eat? So it was actually for the, for the betterment of all those people who were hired that the landowner found it necessary to also appropriately compensate all those that had worked in his vineyard at the time. But then without the spirit of gratitude, without the spirit of thankfulness, without the ability to appreciate that someone found them, 
and gave them work to do. And the person found it right to also pay them something that was considered a fair wage. The Bible says that they began to complain. And the relationship that the landowner was building at the time, the community that was being created at the time, they began to spoil it. It means that now, as the landowner said, are your eyes evil because I'm good? There is something good that is being executed here at this point in time. But without the eye of appreciation, without the eye of gratitude, it was, be, it was being considered as something evil. I'm sure that as they left, their minds have wandered back to their house, not talking to the people that came in at the 11th hour, not talking to the people that came in at the 10th hour, the 9th hour, the 8th hour, all the way, because they will be lambasting and saying that this landowner is wicked. Without the eye of gratitude, you are unable to see when people begin to do good things, not just for you, but the, for the, even for the people and the community around you. Now, let me give you an example. What, the example, I've seen this a number of times, but the clearest one that you might be able to connect to um, would be the movie um, War Room, right, from the Kendrick Brothers. Um, it features, uh, is it Priscilla? Um, yeah, the daughter of um, Dr. Tony Evans, right? In that particular movie, it started out by this older lady encountering this young lady who, according to her, was having several issues in her marriage. Now, when it started out, the woman decided to delve into her personal life. Apparently, I mean, according to the movie, she had gone there to, you know, transact a business, sell a home, whatever it is. But then this woman decided to go into her personal life. And as she, as she delved in, she realized that one of the key problems she had was the issue of her marriage. And as soon as the younger lady got into the mood of talking about the problems in her marriage, she quickly started by complaining. She quickly started by accusing. She quickly started by identifying her husband as the root cause of all the struggles that she had. But if my, if my memory serves me right, I've not watched the movie in a long time, but if my memory serves me right, I believe that the older lady asked uh, the younger one, write on one piece of paper all the wrong things that are all the bad things, the negative things that you see in your husband. And then on the other side of the piece of paper, write all the positives. Write all the things that you appreciate. Write all the things that you are thankful for in the life of your husband. And it became a real struggle for her. Now, this is, this is the thing that you will commonly see. Anytime you see people that are in some kind of a conflict. Anytime you see two people, whether in the workplace, whether in a marriage situation, in the relationship situation, in the church setting, in the office setting, in government, whatever it is, when you see people who are in the place of a conflict, they shut off that eye that sees or that can appreciate the good things that the other has done. It's like we quickly reduce all the good things that others do for us, the good things that have happened to us in the quickest possible time so that we can emphasize on the bad things that they've had. 
Last month, we were in the season of cross-examination and divine alignment. And the prophet of the house, Prophet Hayford, spent a lot of time talking about offenses, dealing with the matters of the heart. Having the posture where your heart could be aligned rightly towards your pastor, towards your shepherd, towards your wife, your husband, and all of that. And one of the things that I'm re-emphasizing in this season of gratitude is that sometimes we just need to just be quiet. And as the songwriter says, count your blessings and name them one by one. Then the songwriter says, then you would see what the Lord has done. It means that without the spirit of gratitude, the spirit of appreciating what God is doing in the community in which you live, in your life as an individual, you are unable to see your blessings. One, you are unable to interact with them and then even to receive them as an individual. Of course, I know that in a marriage situation, in the workplace, people are some way. And for this, I keep, we keep saying, as Jesus says, it's impossible that offense will come. It's impossible. But the question is, that when they come, what do you do after that? I want to ask you, can you, if you are watching with your family, if you are watching this particular broadcast with a colleague, if you are watching this particular broadcast with your children, your parents, can you, can you turn to them and then think of all the individual good things that they've done. I know they annoy you. I know probably your wife is annoying you. I know probably your husband has done something to upset you. I know probably your children may have upset you in a particular way. Your boss may have, may have upset you in a particular way. If we come to talk about the government and the way the, the as we say, the system is going, there might be nothing to say about the government, what the president is doing. But then can we appreciate that there are some things that have been done rightly that we should be thankful for? Are there some things that you can identify despite the fact that there were certain quote-unquote specific prophecies that were time-bound that God gave to you? You that you were sitting here somewhere. And then God came to tell you that this and this and this will happen at this time. And according to you, it hasn't happened. God has disappointed you. Can you, for a brief moment, itemize all the good things that God has done? Can you appreciate it? Can you, with the eye of gratitude, see the good things that is happening? Or like the servant that we had in the first hour. Is God doing good things, yet you are having an evil eye? Is your wife doing good things? Yet, because you lack the spirit of gratitude and thankfulness, you are seen and consuming all of it with an evil eye. And you know, when, when you have an evil eye and an evil heart, whichever one you pick, right, it's so easy to contaminate even the good things that people and the good gestures that people do to you. And that's what was happening in the case of the man of God, Elijah. God had reserved 7,000. He was in a community of plenty. Can you imagine 7,000 people who were being kept, who were being kept by the right hand of God? According to Eli, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19, the verse number 18, yet I've reserved 7,000 in Israel 
those who have not bowed to bow and those whose mouth have not kissed him. If you compare this particular scripture to the complaint of Elijah, Elijah says, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they have torn your altars, they have killed your prophets with the sword, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. He was trying to tell God that, Father, if you don't do something right now and they kill me, you would have no one in Israel left. And God has seen that I've reserved 7,000. Can you imagine 7,000? Not 70, not 700, but 7,000 that God was properly preserving, keeping by his right hand. And yet in that pool, in that community, in that environment, Elijah still felt alone. Are you feeling lonely despite the fact that your family is around you? Despite the fact that the brothers in the church are around you, the sisters in the church are around you, is it because you are offended? Is it because you are unable to see and appreciate their value in your life? So whatever people do, you are in a place of having an evil eye, despite all the good things. The, the, the landowner says, is your eye evil because I am good? Gratitude, appreciation, a key to building better relationships, building better communities. If we we'll just spend a few minutes appreciating the things that have happened in our lives, God is doing, the people around us are doing, you realize that you'd have a better relationship. Now, like I said, Reverend Linda, if you've not listened to that particular message, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message again. Talking about how in the olden days or in the times when we were growing up, it was a whole tradition going back to give thanks in a proper manner. It's a whole tradition. And it fostered the kind of closeness or the togetherness of the community or the families at the time. In case you are listening to me, um, as a member of this ministry, KCF Zion Impact, as a member of whatever church that you are in, I stand here by the special grace of God on behalf of all the pastors and even the pastor of your church. And I want to say thank you to God for you. We want to really appreciate you as a member of the ministry, as a, 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 a church worker, as someone who devotes his time to pay attention to the work that God is doing in this entire move of, of, of God. Um, for those who come to clean up the church and the protocol team, for those in the media team, all those who've left their work, who leave their work, who endure sleepless nights just so that they can do the, the things that we need for services to run smoothly, for, 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 for the things of the ministry to run smoothly. Today, I stand as a representative of all the men of God in KCF ministries and Zion Impact ministries and the body of Christ as a whole, if you are not connected to us, but you are part of the body of Christ as a whole. And I say thank you to you. I say thank you to you. I say thank you to you. I've said it three times. The Bible says the amount of two or more I think is established. I say thank you. We really appreciate you. We are grateful for the fact that you come for services. We are grateful for the fact that you listen to us. I mean, you you spend your time. I mean, I mean, who are we to come and stand before you to to to, to share the word of God? 
it's just the special grace of God that we've, we've been anointed to do that. But then you, it's, it's, it's your time that you come and sit here. Give us your attention. Well, most of the time, not always the case. But you give us your attention. And we are grateful for that. We are grateful for all those who serve in the choir and the music team. All those who serve in the instrumentalist team. Those who serve in the finance team that are behind the scenes. Those that have to be called at several odd hours of the day for some transactions to go through. Those who, you know, the various shepherds who pick up the phone to call people. I want to say thank you to you. Not just the fact that we're appreciating the pastors of the ministry, appreciating the men of God over our lives, but as I'm saying, standing in the gap, standing in the place as a man of God and representative of this ministry and the body of Christ as a whole, I say thank you to you. Thank you so much. Because without you, there is no us. Without you, there is no us. And I want you, if there's a neighbor by your side, I want you to say thank you to that neighbor. If there's someone by your side, maybe there's the opportunity for you to, you know, restore that relationship. Be it a marital relationship, a, relationship, a, 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 a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, you know, a beloved relationship, mother-daughter relationship, father-son relationship, you know, boss employee relationship, colleague relationship, take the phone and send a thank you and say, I know that well, I annoy you. You, are, you annoy me. You are, there are some things I, I wish you didn't do. There are some things I wish you didn't say. There are some things I wish you had gone about in a particular way. But I thank you that you are in my life. You see, this realization usually hits us um, when, 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 when we lose someone close to us. I remember my, 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 my wife was... Um, telling me a story of the granddad and the grandma, right? The, the granddad died a couple of years ago, quite, quite, quite a few years ago. And at the time, the, she and the, I mean, the grandma were fighting most of the time. And please believe things. But my point, I mean, that's kind of usually what happens when people get old and they're always, you know, whatever. But my point is that once he died, I mean, the grandma, surprisingly, people were surprised that, I mean, she was crying. But as she was crying, right, one of the things she was wailing about was that now that you've gone and you've left me, who am I going to be crawling with every morning? It, it, it's, it's shocking, but I mean, sometimes we crawl with people so bad that when they are no longer around, we actually miss fighting with them. And so, it's a powerful thing to even say thank you to people that you are crawling with. If they are not around in your life, I'm telling my brother, I'm telling my sister, you would miss them. You would miss them. I, I don't care how, how, how hard you are, you miss them. I don't care how um, strong you are, you miss them. You miss them. So it's a good point. It's a, it's a good opportunity to say thank you. You know, that, that mindset. And you see, with that attitude of thankfulness, that attitude of appreciating the things around us, like the songwriter says, then he says, then you can behold, then you can see, then you can really understand and accept all the good things that God keeps doing for you. In the case that, and, and if, it's, you see, if we want to go into this, there are several examples there are several examples. When we are in that space of offenses, we are unable to see even the good things. We are unable to see the value in the rebuke that sometimes we get. 
from our men of God. Sometimes from your spouse. Sometimes your, your children can say something. It might seem very, very disrespectful. But in the moment of, of, of reflection, you realize that, see, they didn't say it right. They didn't say it with the right tone of respect. But it's a valuable feedback that you've gotten. Your wife might not have said it in a nice way. Your pastor might not have said it in a nice way. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes your, your apostle will not say it in a nice way. Sometimes your shepherd will blast you. You expect him to say it calmly. Like, oh, okay, you did it intentionally. And you might have a valid excuse. But you must appreciate the value. And then you can receive the blessing that comes with it. So number one, in the pool of 7,000 people, Elijah was feeling alone. He was isolated in the community in which he existed because he didn't have the eye of gratitude. He didn't have the eye to appreciate. God was being good to him, yet his eye was evil at that point in time. And I'm saying that when you have that atmosphere of gratitude, when you have that atmosphere of appreciating the people, the things around you, you enter into a space where the relationship that exists, ignore the offense and say thank you, is improved by the Spirit of God. Do not enter into that space of being alone. It's an easy way for the predator to isolate you and to destroy you. Always make it a point to be part of a community. If people have offended you in your workplace, go back and make amends. In the name of Jesus. I want to move on to my second point. So I don't belabor the point. Now in the same book of First Kings. Chapter 19. You realize as Elijah was complaining as being the lone soldier. In that space. If he had been grateful to God's deliverance. For God's deliverance. For God's intervention. God would have released him to the 7,000. And they would have, you would have seen multiplication that he was not alone. Now, I know that he wasn't in that space of gratitude, according to the story. But yet, God moved with a kind of a divine solution that set the ministry of the predecessors or the, no, not predecessors, but the people that were supposed to take over the successors of Elijah so that they didn't execute their ministry as single or lone stars. So the Bible says that he gave Elijah the command to anoint Jehu, to anoint Elisha, and then to anoint, um, who was the third one? To anoint, um, sorry, Jehu, Hazazel, and Elisha. Hallelujah. Now, if you look at this, let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 17. The verse number 12 to the verse number 19. Luke chapter 17. The verse number 12 to the verse number 19. There's a scripture on our screen. Luke chapter 17. Hallelujah. The verse number 12 to the verse number 19. Now, I'm sure you are very, very familiar with this particular scripture. The Bible says in Luke chapter 17, the verse number 12, the Bible talks about the fact that the, um, Jesus encountered um, what in, in the city of Samaria and Galilee, um, 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 10 lepers, people who were leprous and by reason of their leprosy were outside of the camp. Now, in the Bible, as you are familiar with this story, the Bible says that 
Jesus told them to go show themselves as they were on their way to show themselves to the priests at the time. They realized that they had been cleansed. But the Bible makes us understand that one of them, out of the ten, came back glorifying God and came back to say things. In the book of Matthew chapter 17, verse number 16, it says, And fell down at his feet, Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Look at the verse number 17. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were they not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. All the ten were cleansed. One came back. And the Bible makes us understand that by reason of his thanksgiving, Jesus said his faith has made him completely well. Many, many of us have heard this particular story and, it has said, and it's been said that, yes, many of them were healed, but this one was made completely whole and there was restoration that came by reason of his gratitude and appreciation. Now, I'm saying that in the mood, in the spirit of gratitude, in the spirit of appreciating the things that God does for us, the people around us do for us, we ignite a particular flame that ensures that we enter into a realm of multiplication. Now, let's look at what I mean by this. Let's look at what I mean by this. Let's jump to the book of Matthew chapter 14 so that we can look at this critically. In the book of Matthew chapter 14, we are reading the verse number um, 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 19. Now, this is a story of Jesus and the multitude after he had been preaching for several days. And they found a little boy who had snacks, five loaves of bread and two fish. In the verse number 19, he said, in the verse number 18, he said, bring them here to me. That's bring the five loaves and the two fish. In the verse number 19 of Matthew chapter 14. Then he commanded the multitude to sit on the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them and he broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. And the verse number 20, so they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that, were, that remained. Now, in the, in the King James Version, he says he blessed. There's some version that says he lifted it up and he gave thanks. Right? In some other versions, he lifted it up and he gave thanks. Let me see if I can find it. The verse number, and the verse number, that's the NIV. Matthew chapter 14, the verse number 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And the Bible makes us understand that by reason of appreciating the little he had, he was able to multiply. Now, what am I saying here? Now, you realize that thanksgiving always ignites a flame for multiplication. In the creation or recreation account story in the book of Mark, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible always said that when Jesus or when God, in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 4, when God created the lights, when God separated them, the Bible gives a particular cross or a particular statement. God took his time and looked at what he had done and saw that it was good. 
and saw that it was good. And that created another wave of or some kind of um, environment. And then he was able to go on to the next. And he saw that it was good. Then he was able to go on to the next. Then he saw that it was good. And he was able to go on to the next. Many of us go through this life. Many of us go through our day. Many of us go through our week without acknowledging the things that God does for us. When we come to church, when we spend some time and we say, lift up your voice and give God thanks, give God praise, give God, you know, adoration, gratitude, show appreciation. It's like one of the things that uh, we know men of God say when they are now preparing their prayer topic. <laughs> oh, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? When we say, thank God. If you like, if you like, come to service tomorrow, which is Friday, Right? After all the powerful prayers, when the service is about to end, and say, thank God for a powerful service. It's like all the powerful prayers, the volume just goes down. Okay, yes, Father, we thank you. You know that. That's what I'm saying. It's like all the vim of the prayer just comes down. Because we think Thanksgiving is just, you know, one of those things. But according to the book of Matthew chapter 14, Jesus lifted up what he had. No matter how little it was, he gave thanks and the flame of multiplication was activated. In the creation story, God, God took time to appreciate the things that he commanded that were not so, that had now become. He took time to appreciate and he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. And he was given some kind of a flame to move on to the next day to do something else. I know that here you say that it was God and if he had not said it, he would have been able to do But I'm trying to say that Thanksgiving is a kingdom principle. It's a divine key that unlocks a flame of multiplication. It unlocks a flame of reproduction. It unlocks a flame to be able to do more. How many people have someone said, good job, good work. They've appreciated you for some little effort, you know, and then just by that praise, you begin to then, because I'm, I'm sure some, sometimes, you know, they are giving some way and we are murmuring in a way, some way, some way, some way. But then we do it anyways when it comes to especially things after with, the, with our office work and all of that. But then we do it. And then your boss comes to show appreciation. Your pastor comes to show appreciation. They're like, that, oh! And they begin to put in more effort. Because at that point in time, you didn't expect it. But then you begin to put in more effort. When someone shows appreciation, it's, 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 even, even when, you know, when, 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 a, when a boy is chasing a, a girl to become the beloved, you know, you are, you, are, you are giving, you know, your vibes, giving your words, whatever. Then you give some little gift. Then the girl is excited. They see that, oh, your head will begin to swell. You want to then do more. They begin to promise, I'll give you the whole earth. I'll give you the whole world. If you give the girl the whole earth, the whole world, the whole moon, why are you going to start? Anyways, but that's not the focus of our, of, our, of our message. My point is that when someone shows gratitude, it ignites a flame for you to do more. Hallelujah. So probably, the reason why maybe some of you are not coming to church is because we've not said thank you enough. So I want to say again, thank you to you. And I'm igniting that flame for multiplication. Maybe the reason why you have still not been able to go out there to do evangelism and to bring people from your workplace as you've done is because maybe you brought someone to church the last time and nobody said thank you. So I'm saying thank you to you. 
Maybe the reason why you've left the choir is that maybe the music pastor didn't say thank you for the last time that you showed us that your particular skill with your voice. So I'm saying thank you to you. Maybe the reason why you've left the media team, you've left the instrumentalist team, is that you did some catch-up with the camera and the media pastor didn't say thank you. So I'm saying thank you. I'm trying to ignite the flame of multiplication so that you do more. I'm trying to ignite the what? The flame of multiplication that you do more. If there's something that probably, and this might be a good tip for your relationships, there's something that maybe your husband has stopped doing, maybe your wife has stopped doing, it might probably be because you stopped saying thank you. And the last time you didn't say thank you, I mean, your spouse stopped. Maybe the reason why your employees are no longer giving you their best is because you failed to say thank you. And the last time they gave you their blood, sweat, time, and tears. Probably all you need to do to win over and to get your people back on your side is to say thank you. Thanksgiving ignites a flame of what? Multiplication. Thanksgiving, it ignites the flame of multiplication. And in the story of First Kings, now, what do I mean by the story of First Kings? You realize that Elijah was not able to see. So I know that he didn't give a thanksgiving at that point, but then God decided to shift him still into that place where after his ministry ended, the next ministry that took over, they were not as lone rangers. They were no longer alone. Probably if he had given thanks, God would have opened his eyes and would have connected him to the 7,000 so that he would not be alone. But he didn't show thanksgiving. He didn't show appreciation. He didn't show gratitude. Hallelujah. Now, one strange scripture that I want us to look at is in the book of John chapter 12. John chapter 12. The verse number 24. John chapter 12. The verse number 24. I'm sure you know this particular scripture, but we'll read it anyway. John chapter 12, the verse number 24. It says, The hour has come, from the verse number 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The verse 24, Verily, very truly, I say to you, let me read from the New King James Version. Verse 24, The hour has come for that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now, I'm saying this is a very, very strange scripture. And I'll come to that. Let's look at the verse number 25. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse number 16, 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servants will also be. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Now, in the verse number 24, our key scripture, I said, most assured, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. One of the things we realize is that 
unless there is death that is put to anything that is alone, there is no multiplication. Now, this is the place where I want to conclude. As we saw in the case of Elijah, in the multitude of 7,000, he was still feeling alone. In the case, in the ministry of John the Baptist, he was still alone. Jesus decided not to do the same, like I said earlier on. The people that took over the ministry from Elijah didn't do things alone. And I'm saying that gratitude, one, ignites the flame for multiplication. Two, it builds the relationship that we have in a community. The final thing that I want to use and to summarize with is this number, is this verse. John chapter 12, the verse number 24. Unless a wheat of grain abides, I mean falls to the grounds and dies, it abides alone. Sometimes, all that we need to cause that offense and pain and bitterness to die from our hearts is to go back and to say thank you to someone. I know that the last time that Prophet Ford was ministering, he mentioned that one of the key things, if you want to let go of offense, is to spend some time praying to God for the person who has offended you. Spend some time saying thank you to the person that has offended you. Hallelujah. The Bible says that if by reason of an offense, you decide to isolate yourself and be alone, it says that you will forever remain alone. But then when you cause that offense to die, for you, going back to say sorry, going back to say you appreciate the person, going back to make amends, it might be something hard. It might be death to you. It might be some kind of a shame. I don't know what to call it, but it might be something hard for you to do. And we are not saying that it's typically easy. God makes it easy. God gives us the grace. It's typically easy. But I'm saying that when you are able to cross that level of death by appreciating, by letting go of that offense, causing that offense to truly die, by causing that pain to truly die, causing that mindset of seclusion, of isolation to truly die, the Bible says that, but when it dies, if it, but when it dies, it produces much grain. Maybe all you need to see increase, multiplication, is to put to death the pain the offense, the mindset that is causing isolation. And I'm giving you a key that probably a key to show appreciation might be what might put to death that pain. Might be what might put to death that offense. Might be what might remove from your heart that particular hate that you feel. To go back and say thank you. You know, if we decide, like, this, like the example I gave with this movie wall room, if we decide to sit down and to itemize the things that we can be grateful for in the life of the people close to us, because truly, 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 the people that are close to you, they are the very ones that will hurt you. As the year is coming to an end, shift from that place of isolation where you are abiding alone as one grain of wheat. Put to death that offense. Put to death that pain. Maybe the key you need is the key of appreciation. 
the key of gratitude, the key of thankfulness, the key to be able to count the blessing that you have from the person close to you. No matter how annoying they've been, no matter how whatever, no matter how many toes they've stepped, no matter how harsh they've been to you, no matter how inconsiderate they've been to you, if you put to death that pain, we are saying that the Bible says, and if it dies, it produces much grain. For you to walk in that atmosphere of victory, in the love of God, I'm saying that gratitude is a key for that. Gratitude is a key for that. In, 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 in giving feedback when you are evaluating people, there is a technique that people usually say you should use, the sandwich model. I truly don't believe in that because sometimes I think it's quite, um, quite um, hypocritical, quite condescending. But the well, but it's, a, it's an effective tool that actually works. The sandwich model, model for giving feedback. Usually they say, if you want to give someone feedback or criticism, start with a positive thing, then say the negative, and then end with a positive thing, right? So you sandwich the negative criticism in, a, in, in, in two loaves of positive things. It works. Um, um, it works. I, I sometimes don't believe in that. I believe sometimes it's a critical because if everybody is using it, you know that, okay, as they say, the first positive thing, you're just waiting for but, you know. But nonetheless, we were doing an exercise the last time and we we're supposed to give criticism, I mean, feedback to someone. And we we're supposed to use a sandwich. And I realized that it's quite a difficult thing to find something good to say about someone. It's so easy. It's so easy to find something wrong that someone has done. It's so easy to find something offensive in the action or reaction of someone. It's so easy to find fault with the things that someone has done. See, in, in the book of Matthew chapter, um, um, John chapter 12, you know, two chapters, um, we read John chapter 14. In fact, John chapter 12. We read John chapter 12. But then if you go back to John chapter 12, that same... um, John chapter 12, the verse number 9. So we read John chapter 12 previously, the verse number 24. If you go up that particular scripture to John chapter 12, the verse number 9. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus had finished raising Lazarus up in John chapter 11. In the John, John chapter 12, the verse number 9, the Bible says, Now a great many of the Jews went that knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Something powerful that had happened as a miracle, and you expect that people will be gathering to celebrate. But the verse number 10, it says, But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Something good had happened. Something as miraculous and tangible as resurrecting someone from the dead. Yet, the Bible says the chief priests, they could not see the good because it's so easy to see faults. But it takes quite a deliberate action a deliberate effort of observing, 
of reflection, of consideration to be able to see something positive. They could not see as tangible as a miracle of resurrecting someone who was dead four days and has been in the grave. The Bible says that they guarded that they might put to death again Lazarus whom Jesus had killed. I get what I'm saying. When you remove that eye to be able to appreciate, we are in our last month of December 2022. Our month of gratitude. Our month of victory. Our month of walking in the love of God. When you take away that key of gratitude, you will not be walking in victory. You will not be walking in the love of God. And I'm saying that because they could not appreciate and see a tangible miracle as someone me raised from the dead, they gathered to see Lazarus and their intention was that they would put him to death again. They would put him to death again. I'm saying that probably the key you need to put to death that pain is to sit down and to reflect and to ask God for the eye to be able to appreciate your neighbor, to be able to appreciate your children, to be able to appreciate your parent, to be able to appreciate your pastor, for your pastor and for us and for us shepherds, to be able to appreciate you, the members, you, the church workers, you, those who support, who partner, those who give their time, who give their life, who sacrifice, maybe not on a financial level, but on a, on, on an, on, on a level of um, um, dedication, giving off your time, your energy to sponsor the work of God. And I'm saying that by that key of gratitude, when that pain is put to death, then the Bible says, then it sees much fruit. Without that eye, spirit of gratitude, a good thing, such as your neighbor receiving their salary, receiving a gift, becomes an evil thing. A good thing, such as someone being resurrected from the dead for days, becomes a terrible thing. And there's an intention. There's a plot to put to death someone that has been raised again by Jesus. Put to death someone that Jesus had raised to death. I don't know what you've heard today. But I'm just coming back to re-emphasize the message of gratitude, appreciation, thanksgiving. And just picking up from where Reverend Linda ended powerfully the last time. And I'm seeing two things. In the community where we are, appreciating the people around us, the community around us, the thing that God does. Gratitude is a key ingredient that improves the relationship in the community that we have. Gratitude also is a key ingredient that ignites the flame of multiplication. And by that key of gratitude, you realize that you will not be alone. It would prevent you from being alone so you can enjoy the community, see the cloud of witnesses, the people that are cheering you on, the people that are seeking for your welfare. Without that eye, you'll be seeing evil in all the good things that are around you. So like the songwriter says, count your blessing and name them one by one. From January till now, I want you to count your blessing. There are people in your life, yes, you've spent some time, you've spent some 
time praying for the men of God in your church, spend some time buying gifts, sending in monetary gifts and all of that. I want you to turn your attention to your neighbor by your side. I want you to turn your attention to the people in the department. I want you to turn your attention, if you are a boss, if you are an employer, to your employees. I want you to turn your attention, if you are a team leader, to, the, to, your, to, your, to your teammates and say thank you. And like I'm saying, I'm standing as, for the pastors of this ministry and the body of Christ as a whole. They say thank you for every, men, to, for every member of the, of the ministry KCF and Zion Impact. Every member of the body of Christ as a whole. We as pastors, we appreciate you. We acknowledge you. We celebrate God for your lives because without you, there is no us. There is no ministry that has been given unto man that our ministry is entirely for us to be in the wilderness and to be preaching to the animals and to be preaching to the trees and to be preaching to the birds and to be preaching to the atmosphere. There's a reason why God has planted you in our lives because without you, there is no us. And I say thank you to you. By that spirit of thankfulness, of gratitude, of appreciation, we are praying that the relationship that exists between the church, between pastors and members, between teammates, team leads and, and, and members, between colleagues, between members in the church, between parents and children, between husbands and wives, between brothers and sisters will be improved. And that they will see multiplication in the body of Christ as a whole. I pray that may the Lord God visit you. May the Lord God visit you wherever you are. If you spent your time to listen to us this day, God bless you. May the light of God's word give you understanding and clarity in the name of Jesus. By the special grace of God, this coming Friday, we have a special service, our Kingdom Impact service at 6 p.m. sharp at um, Zion Impact Glory Mount at Teshi. And then on Sunday, we have our end of year Thanksgiving service. Come dressed in all, I mean, in your white apparel, come with the Thanksgiving seed for your entire family and come let us count the blessings of the Lord. Come let us itemize. Before you come, spend some moments reflecting on all the good things that God has done to you, all the good things God has done for you, all the good things that God has done through the people around you. Even in an unpleasant situation, people that seem to have hurt you, I want you to spend some time reflecting and come and let's celebrate the Lord this coming Sunday on the 4th of December. On the 4th of December. Thank you so much for spending your time with me this evening. God bless you so much. There'll be a mobile man number on your screen. Lift up your offering and send in right away. As you do that, just lift up your offering and say, Father, we give this and we sow this offering and this seed, Father, to receive the garment of thanksgiving. The eye to appreciate you. The eye to be grateful. The eye to be thankful. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Wherever you are, I pray that the atmosphere of God will surround you. The spirit of God will shield you. And God will be your defense. As we enter into this new year, this new month, as we pray for the new year, we declare that all plots of hell against you, pray that the defense of God will be lifted for you and your family and everything that concerns you and that you will see no harm, you will see no corruption, you will see no loss in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. In the name of Jesus. In the case, in the case, let me just say, in the, in the case of, 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 of Esther, right, in the case of Esther, the kings at the time, they had the books of remembrance. They had the annals. That was the book that 
Mordecai's name was written in, that the, the king could reflect and see the people that had that that have been that have been um, done good things to him, so he could honor and appreciate them. Maybe it's time for us to make a list like that. And whatever it is, if it's not if you're not able to give a gift, just send a message and say thank you to your brother. Thank you to your sister. Thank you to your mother. Thank you to your father. Thank you to the people that you work with. Thank you to your boss. Thank you to your employee. Thank you to the, to the people that serve you at the restaurants. The people that help you pack your cars. Thank you for the people that open the doors for you when you go to the bank. The people that open the door for you when you go to your office. The people that clean your decks. Say thank you. Make a book of remembrance and honor someone in the name of Jesus. God bless you wherever you are and see you soon. Even in Jesus' name, we bring you special greetings from our Apostle, Apostle Kingsley J. Godson, and love from all the men of God of Zion Impact Ministries and KCF Ministries in Jesus' name. We love you so much. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this, share it with someone and be an agent of impactful change for the kingdom of God. God bless you.